Uh, for the last several weeks, we've been talking about this idea of, of sustainable faith. What does it look like for us to be on this journey of faith, to not get burned out, not get tired, but what does it look like for us to continue in this journey where we are constantly pursuing God with all that we have? And so if you've been showing up week after week, we've been talking about meditation, we've been talking about reading scripture, we've been talking about being in community, we've talked about all these different things, and tonight we talk about what it looks like to fast. And I don't want you guys to raise your hand, uh, but if I asked you uh, personally, when was the last time you fasted, I bet a lot of you would say, well, it's been a long time or, or never, or maybe when I was in high school and we did this thing called the 30-hour famine. I know that I was a part of that. And to be really honest, as I was prepping for this message, it was very difficult for me because of, out, of, out of all the elements that we've talked about through the past several weeks, this one was the one that I neglect the most. I mean, for those of you that know me, know that there's one thing that I really love, and that's food. I love food. As a matter of fact, I do a lot of traveling, and I base all my traveling on the restaurants that are there. I love food. And so when I'm talking about fasting, sometimes I, I'm not speaking out of my own experience, but I'm speaking out of my own need as well. And so tonight we look at this idea of fasting in order for us to have this sustainable faith. And not only does this idea of fasting help us to have a sustained faith, but it impacts the way we treat and love and be in community with one another. And so the last several weeks, we've been talking about this inhale and exhale, that to have this sustainable faith, to reflect the love of Christ that God has for us, there has to be this vertical, this relationship with God. That's, that's the inhale that we talk about, this inhaling of God's spirit in our lives. And as a result, there's this, there's this horizontal that is a byproduct of it, the exhale. So when we fast, it's this idea of inhaling in order for us to exhale by serving one another. One, one aspect of food that I love, and maybe raise your hand if you agree with me, but I love Mexican food. Anybody here love Mexican food? Okay, some of you guys are like, yes, yes, I'm right there with you. And there's a Mexican restaurant right down the street from where I live in West Seattle. Anyone from West Seattle? All right, I'm the only one. I love it. And I've developed this bad habit of going into the restaurant, ordering the food, usually a nice carne asada burrito. But before the burrito comes out, I always ask for chips and salsa. Always. And so before the food comes out, the server brings out the chips and salsa, and I'm eating a few chips, you know, getting ready for my actual dinner. And all of a sudden, a few chips turn into several more chips. And then all of a sudden, the whole basket is gone. And then uh, I go to my second basket and third basket. And here's what happens every single time I do that. The actual food comes in, the burrito comes in that I ordered, uh, and I eat about half of it, and I can't finish. I know, and I have to get the shameful to-go bag and take it home. And, and here's, here's the deal. Here's the deal. And so every time I go back to the restaurant, I've committed to one thing. I've committed to tell the server, after one basket, cut me off. All right, cut me off after one basket of chips and salsa because I need to create space for that burrito. 
Now, I know this is a silly example that I'm talking about tortilla chips and I'm talking about burritos and I'm talking about all these things that I love. But it's this whole, in a funny, in a silly way, reflects what fasting means, and which is ironic that I'm using an illustration of food to illustrate fasting. But here's the deal. The whole idea of fasting is for us to eliminate something, to abstain something, in order for us to create space for what God has for us. Fasting is simply this. Fasting is removing something within us in order for God to move towards us. Fasting is this idea of removing something in us so God can move towards us and so God and ourselves can have deep intimacy and communion without distraction. Essentially, fasting is removing something in order to create space for God. See, researchers believe that the majority of adults, that that is majority of us here, have the capacity to have uh, about seven significant relationships in our lives. Seven. And, and what that tells me is that as adults, as all of us are adults in this room, is that we have a limited capacity to ingest. And what I mean ingest, I mean this uh, relationally, I, I mean this mentally, physically, spiritually. We have a limited capacity to have space for those things and people in our lives. And so the problem is we get confronted with this question. If there's a limited space for us to ingest, what is it that we will ingest? What is it that we will long for? What is it that we will crave? And this whole idea of fasting is that you and me, we should crave the Holy Spirit. We should crave what God has for us in our lives. And in order for us to do that, we must make some adjustments. There needs to be an elimination in order for God to come in and fully take place in our lives. So what will you create space for all throughout Scripture Fasting has been a predominant way of worshiping God, is being in relationship with God, having intimacy with God. It was an essential part of people's faith. They fasted when they were seeking wisdom. All over the Old Testament, all over the New Testament, fasting happened when people were, were, were seeking wisdom. Fasting happened when people were seeking forgiveness, when people were, were mourning together when people were confessing the ways that they have hurt others and the ways that they've hurt God. They fasted when they were petitioning to God. They've, they fasted when they were seeking favor with God. And not only was it a big deal, not only was fasting a big deal, but fasting was seen as something very spiritual and something very holy all throughout the scriptures. And the idea was this, the more you fasted, the hungry you were, the more holier and righteous you were. And, and so a lot of the people uh, abuse that aspect in order to look holier and more righteous. And, and Jesus has something to say about that. In Matthew chapter 6, Ma Jesus in the, in the Sermon of the Mount was addressing exactly that. He says, whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites. For they disfigure their faces as so to show others that they are fasting. Jesus says, fasting is an important aspect of being in relationship with the Father. And don't abuse that by pretending you're fasting, by pretending how hungry you are and showing off to others. 
Fasting is about humility, and yet people have perverted that, hijacked it, and turned it into something very self-righteous and self-fulfilling. And even in our text in Isaiah chapter 58, God is calling out the Israelites for the same thing, for the way they fast. And so we get to the first point. The first point is this. Fasting reminds us of our weakness. Or, or should I say fasting should remind us of our weakness and our need for humility and not to perpetuate the need for power and significance. Fasting reminds us of our weakness. Or fasting should remind us of our weakness. In chapter 58, the verse that we read, verse 3 says this, Why do we fast? But you do not see me. Why humble ourselves, but you, not, but you do not notice? There's so much irony in that very first line. When the Israelites are saying, I'm fasting, can't you see? Don't you notice me? I'm fasting, everybody. Uh, why should I humble myself, God, if, God, you won't recognize how humble I'm being? I mean, these are, these are the Israelites' complaints. Do you see the irony in this? This is like us saying, everybody, look at me. I'm the most humblest person in this room. There's no one more humble than I am. And, and, and there's this hijacking of the Israelites. They're saying, look, uh, I fast in order for me to have this reputation and to look holy and to look righteous. For me to essentially have this power when in fact the whole purpose of fasting is the very opposite. It's for us to be broken. It's for us to be hungry and longing after God, after something bigger, of something that's bigger than of ourselves. See, even in a time where weakness and humility was the goal through fasting, the people turned it into acts of self-righteousness. Because weakness was seen as an unwanted characteristic. This is true for us today as it was true for the Hebrews and for the New Testament and for the people in the ancient Near East in the first century. That weakness was seen as a quality that was unwanted. And that they didn't want themselves to be described as. And, and I would say for, for a lot of us, that's true even today. That weakness is something that we want to avoid. I, I mean, think about even your last job interview. You know, you get this quintessential, quintessential question. Tell me your greatest strength. Tell me your greatest weakness. And even, you know, I've been asked that myself as someone that's been through interviews. I've asked that of others as they were interviewing for, for positions. And, and oftentimes they have no problem telling me what their greatest strengths are. And, and oftentimes when I'm being interviewed in that question, I also have no problem doing that as well. After all, it's an interview. But when it comes to the question of what is your greatest weakness, somehow we've all been convinced that weakness is a bad quality. And so if we have to answer what our weakness is, majority of us in, in interviews, and I've heard this before, will say something like, I just work too hard. Man, that's... I'll tell you what my weakness is. I just, I just work too hard. I can't let work go, and I just work all the time. So if you hire me, the problem that you're going to have is, is my weakness of just working too much. Or, or man, I, here's my problem. Here's my weakness. I'm a, I'm a perfectionist. I just like to do things right. And I like to do things to perfection. Or, 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 or 
I just love too much. You know, I just have a hard time letting it go. I've heard this so many times. I just love too much. And so if you hire me, the greatest, you're going to have all these strengths, but the weaknesses, I just work too hard, I'm a perfectionist, and I just love too much. That's my weakness. And, and why? Because we've been conditioned that weakness is a bad trait. That weakness is a bad trait. And when we think about what, what fasting is, that's exactly what fasting should lead us to be. I mean, have you ever been hungry before? Have you ever been just famished because you haven't eaten, you haven't drank anything at all? You have this idea of brokenness, of desperation, that at that moment in time, anything and everything looks delicious to you, right? I mean, we've all been there. And, and having a lack of food, it actually even changes the way we, we talk and the way we think and the way we relate to people. I mean, have you heard of this whole idea of being called hangry? Right? A lot of us, we've felt that before because food has very much, has an effective power on us. And when we lack that food, we get to this place of brokenness and hungry, of hunger and desperation, of essentially weakness. And that's exactly where God wants us to be. But the world has a different message for us, a very antithetical message saying weakness is actually bad. You don't want to be there. And so therefore we push weakness aside and say, how can I be powerful? How can I have status? How can I have upward mobility? How can I have material possessions? How can I have more money? Well, the opposite is what God asks us to be. So we've all been physically hungry, we've all felt weak, we've all felt tired, we've all felt like we can barely move because of lack of food. And that physical hunger allows us to be spiritually fed. So we see this temptation even from the beginning of time with Adam and Eve. In Genesis chapter 3, there's a temptation from the serpent that says, eat this apple. Uh, and, and, you know, they argue with the serpent, and the serpent says, if you eat this apple, you will be like God. It, it wasn't the apple that there was a, the, uh, something significantly sinful about. It's what it represented. And at the core of Adam and Eve's sin was this idea of them wanting to be like God, essentially wanting to be God, to have power, to have might. To have the knowledge of what is good and what is evil. The very thing that God didn't want them to know. And so from the very beginning of time, even from the people of the first creation of Adam and Eve, this whole idea of power, of being like God, has been permeated in our minds, in our culture, in our society. And therefore we have a hard time understanding what it means to be humble and weak in order for us to create space for God. And so therefore that's where fasting comes in. It's time for weakness because then God can do something in our lives. Fasting reminds us of our weakness. And number two, weakness becomes our strength. If fasting reminds us of our weakness, that weakness becomes our strength. And this happens in two ways. First is this. First, we draw upon a strength greater than our own. We draw upon a strength greater than our own. It's this deep hunger, and we've all felt this physical hunger. It's this deep hunger that says, I'm broken, I'm desperate. 
I need something that's bigger than of myself. And when we get to that point, I can imagine God looking down on us saying, that's what I've been waiting for. Now you're ready. It's this monumental shift from, God, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it, to this monumental shift of, I don't have it in me anymore. And I can imagine God saying, finally, I can work in your life. See, so many times when we get fed this message that, that weakness is bad, weakness is something to be pushed away, weakness is a trait that we shouldn't possess, we forget that it's through that very weakness that God actually works in our lives. And so when we fast and when we're physically hungry, we have this longing, we have this desperation, we have this brokenness. That is when God is saying, yes, that is when I can move in you. It's that very place of weakness that my strength can be made visible in and through you. It's a very upside-down way of thinking. God's kingdom is always upside-down. In order for you to be rich, you must be poor. In order for you to truly live, you must die. In order to become first, you must actually be last. And in this case, in order to be strong, you must first be weak. And this is hard. Again, we've been conditioned to always be in control, to be strong, to be the creator of our own destiny, to be our own problem solver. And the reality is God is asking us to surrender. And fasting reminds us that power and strength happens in and through us when we create space for that through our hunger and longing for God to move rather than for us to figure it all out, for us to have our own might, for us to have our own strength. It's for God to move in and through us because we've created a space for God to move. And many of us, we know what I'm talking about. We've all tried it all. Whether you're a Christian or not, there's places in your lives where you've tried it all to find solutions, to fix to make it all better. And the reality is, it hasn't worked. That's true for you. That's probably, I mean, that's definitely true for me. We've tried it all. And God is finally saying, you need to get to a point, Prentice, you need to get to a point of brokenness, of surrender, so I can make movements in your life. And fasting does just that. Fasting especially from food. And secondly, fasting exposes our blind spots. Fasting exposes our blind spots. I don't know about you, but I hate going to the doctors. I hate going to the doctors. That's one of the things that I always avoid. Even when I'm sick, people say, Prince, you need to go to the doctors. I like, no, I'll be fine. It's, it's allergies. You know, I'm sneezing and I'm coughing. No, I'll be fine. It's just allergies. I don't, I don't need to go to doctors. Uh, a few months ago, I was at the point where my throat was hurting. I was coughing. You know, I had flu symptoms and, and you know, I had headaches. And so I finally, I said, you know what? I'm going to humble myself. I can't find fixing of myself. Uh, all this cold medicine didn't work. And so I'm going to go to the doctors. And so I go to the doctor and, and they, uh, they asked me this, this question, who is your uh, PCP on the form. 
And I go to the receptionist and I say, what's a PCP? Uh, and they say, that's your primary care physician. And I was like, you know what? This is kind of embarrassing, but I have no idea. I don't have one. It's been years since I've been to the doctor's. And so finally, as I was going through these symptoms, I was waiting, and I finally go see the doctor. The doctor did some tests on me and comes back and says, Prentice, I'm glad you came in because you have strep throat. I said, what? No, no, no. It's, got it. it's allergies. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, no, Prentice, you have strep throat. And so I go home, I take medicines, and, you know, eventually, you know, I get better. But the whole idea is this, is that I would have never, ever known if I didn't come to a place of this brokenness, of so much pain, so much hurt, and saying, you know what, I can't fix this by myself. There's something wrong with me. I need to go to a doctor, and that doctor needs to make a prescription or whatever it is to help me feel better. Fasting does the same thing. Fasting exposes us of our blind spots. I would have had no clue what was wrong with me unless I came to this place of surrender saying, okay, doctor, what is wrong with me? And so when we go through this idea of fasting, we're saying, God, I don't know the answer. There's things that are happening in my life. There's pain, there's trouble, there's sorrow, there's loss, whatever it is. God, I can no longer do this. God, would you come into my life and be the solution? And make a way for hope, for peace, for transformation. And, and we pray this dangerous prayer, this prayer of God. Okay, I'm in this broken state of physical hunger and I'm ready to hear from you, God. What do you have to say? And I tell you right now, that is a dangerous prayer because if we pray that, God will answer it. God will answer it. God will reveal uh, truths about ourselves in that state when we are ready to hear. We're going to be in such a broken place of such a hungry space and saying, God, I need to hear from you. I'm desperate for you. Tell me what I need to hear. And I promise you, in that state, God will say something like, all right, now you're ready to hear. Now you're ready to understand what I have for you. And it's this. And it's whatever you might need to hear that God has to say. I don't know what that is. I, through fasting and through prayer and through desperation, have heard some things from God that I did not want to hear. Places where I've hurt people. Places where I need to adjust and transform and fix. Because I came to that place where, God, would you just speak and would you just do something in my life? Because I can't do it. And if you pray that prayer, I can almost promise you that God will, will reveal truths about you in your life. In our weakness, that very weakness becomes our strength. Because in that weakness, our strength is gathered from something bigger than of ourselves, and that's from God. And secondly, because fasting exposes our blind spots. And not only does fasting remind us of our weakness, but God uses our weakness in order for us to be strengthened and not just strengthened, but to also be a gift to others. I love what 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12 says. It says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses and insults, and hardships, and persecution, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. 
says, when I am weak, then I am strong. See, fasting helps us to get to that place of weakness. Although the world tells us that weakness is bad, God says, well, it's only in that weakness I can move in your life. And so when we fast, when we abstain from, from food, this very thing that gives us life, what we're saying is that, no, it's not just this food that gives me life, it's God. It's the very word that God speaks. And in Acts chapter 4, uh, there was this temptation of Jesus. After, it says that after 40 days and 40 nights of Jesus fasting, do you know what uh, word they used to describe Jesus? As famished. He was hungry because he didn't eat for 40 days and 40 nights. And Satan comes and says, okay, Jesus, I know that you're hungry. And if you're hungry, turn this rock, this stone, into bread. So that way you can no longer be hungry. You're satiated. And Jesus says, away from me, man in person does not live on bread and bread alone. Instead, every person lives by the words of God. And so what Jesus is saying is that, yes, you can have these cravings. Yes, you can try to make it on your own. Yes, you can try to find, you know, answers and solutions all by yourself. But the better way, the way that brings satisfaction and peace and joy is not relying on that. But it's relying on every word that God has for us. It's in that weakness that Jesus says, then I am made strong and I am made strong through him. See, fasting reminds us of our weakness, then our weakness becomes our strength. And then our strength, lastly, becomes a gift for others. So essentially, if you want to know that you are fasting correctly, because throughout the Bible there's, there's rebuke of, all right, that is not the way to fast. You have completely missed the point of fasting. In Isaiah 58, 6-7 says, if you want to know that you're fasting well, if you're fasting correctly, there should be an exhale and an inhale. An inhale of us connecting intimately with God, but the exhale is that there should be fruit that's produced. Every spiritual practice, as a matter of fact, should bear fruit. It should have an effect not only on your own life, but on the lives of others. The way you treat people, the way you love, the way you show compassion. Because, see, fasting humbles us, not only for our own sake, for the, but for the sake of others. So we can give. So get this. When we are able to fast and be in this place of brokenness, we're able to give to others, not out of a place of sympathy. This is important. Not out of a place of sympathy, which can ultimately, ultimately be uncompassionate and sometimes even demeaning. But so we can give and serve and love, not to a place of sympathy, but a place of empathy. Uh, a place of I am with you. I am with you. Because I know what it feels like to be broken. I know what it feels like to be hungry. I know what it feels like to long and need. And I'm with you. A couple weeks ago at Bethany, uh, West Seattle, we had this pancake feed. Uh, and so after the pancake feed, you know, people left, you know, full, and I left full, and I took some leftovers, and there was a, uh, a bunch of bananas that needed a home, and so I took it. 
I love bananas. And so I was driving, and I was going towards the U District, and there was a homeless man on the side of the road. And as I come to the red light, I said, hey, uh, I don't have much. I have bananas. Do you like bananas? Uh, and he said, bananas are my favorite fruit. And I said, great, because I have six of the bananas, and they're all for you. And he said, are you sure it's for me? And I said, yes, take it. It's for you. And he takes the bananas and he says, he breaks it in half. So it breaks it into, you know, three and three. And he gives three back to me. And I said, no, you don't understand. All six, they're for you. I, I'm good. I, you love bananas, you take it. And he says, no, I, I can't do that. Because you love bananas too, right? And I said, yes. And so he says, I can't take it all. And I said, no, believe me, I can get some somewhere else. And he says, here's what I want you to do. Give them to somebody else that is hungry. And I said, are you sure? He said, yeah. I said, okay. He said, I know what it feels like to be hungry. Give it to somebody else. See, when we get to a place of that desperation, of hunger, we don't come in, in love and to, and to be in relationship out of sympathy, but rather empathy, a place of I am with you. Fasting reminds us of our weakness. It reminds us that weakness is actually our strength. And our strength becomes a gift for others. So when Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he understood that real fulfillment, real peace, real life, not just life, but abundant life, comes not from the things that we ingest, but from the very word that God has for us, that very word that God speaks in us, the truths about us. Jesus says, one does not live on bread and bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And this is bread that we eat of God. He's considered the bread of life, where we'd never go hungry again. What are the things that you are craving what are the things that sustain you? When we're hungry, it's food. When we're fasting, we're reminded that we need water, we need food, we need sustenance. But fasting reveals our cravings. What is it that you crave? The other day, I left my condo, and I was in my car, and I was driving, and I did one of these. You know what I did? I forgot my cell phone at home. I forgot my cell phone at home, and I had this, like, mini heart attack. Have you guys ever left your phone, and you have a kind of an anxiety attack, and you're, you know, driving out of your parking lot, you're driving down the street, and, and to me, I was already late for a meeting, and so the right thing for me to do was just to keep going. But instead, I turned the car around because I can't last a day without my phone. And I know a lot of us in this room, you can resonate with that. And so for you, what is it? What is it that you crave? What is it that you can't go a day without? Obviously for me, it's my phone. Maybe it's for you, it's the phone too. Maybe it's technology. Maybe it's social media. Maybe it's politics. Maybe there's this unhealthy habit with food. I don't know what it is, but what is it that you believe sustains you? Because what God is calling us to do through fasting is to empty ourselves of that and create space for God to make movements in our lives. 
And if we as humans only have the capacity to have seven significant relationships, which tells us that we as humans only have a limited amount of capacity to have things in ourselves, God is saying that might be in the way. And for you, what is that thing that is in the way where God wants to move in you? And maybe tonight, starting right now, our prayers, God, show me, reveal to me what that is. And may we empty ourselves of that. And that's the whole very essence of fasting. Fasting, you know, if we look at it, it's saying, you know what? I'm hungry and I'm broken. God, I need you. It's a reflection of us, this longing for food. I'm so hungry, I need food, I need water, I need whatever it is. And God is saying, now you know what it feels like to be in need and to be in want. And may you crave the things that brings you life, an abundant life, and not be, mis- you know, and not believe that it's technology or social media or politics or whatever it is you think it is. So tonight, may we think about that. What is that? Or maybe for some of us, we're thinking about uh, solving it and doing it all on our own. And God is saying, it's a place of weakness that I work in and through you. The place of humility. Maybe some of us, that is our prayer. And I'm going to invite the band uh, back up as we enter into a time of response through communion. And I love the evening service that there's communion every single week. That we are reminded that on that night when Jesus was with his disciples, he takes the bread and he says, take of this. Eat and be reminded this is my body that was broken for you. And then he takes the cup and he says, receive, drink. This is my blood that was shed you. And, and tonight, we are reminded in our lives that we're filled with so many things that are distracting us. And God is saying, make space for who I am and what I want to do in your life. And before you come and partake, this, this table is for everybody. But I encourage you to do this, to take some time, to take inventory God, what am I holding on to? God, what am I having a hard time surrendering? Because in this culture, let's be honest, surrender and letting go of that control and having somebody help us is challenging, is difficult. But let me ask you this, has that worked? Again, whether you're a Christian, you believe in God or not, the question, has that worked? And oftentimes when I ask myself that, the answer is just simply no. And so fasting reminds us, if that hasn't worked, humble ourselves, be in this place of hunger and longing and brokenness to say, God, what I've done and what I've tried hasn't worked. God, I need you. And God is looking down and saying, finally, that is where I want you. That is what I've been waiting to hear this whole time. And it's through that weakness that we draw upon a strength that's bigger than of ourselves. And so when we come to partake in communion, it's us saying, God, I 
thank you for your work, your life, your death, your resurrection from the cross in order for me in my weakness to have strength, to have courage, to have wisdom and discernment. For many of us, we're longing for that. We need that. And I don't know what it is, but I know that we all bring something here. And may tonight be a time of surrender, of brokenness, of a deep hunger. And my challenge even as we do this is throughout the week uh, to recognize what is it that needs to be removed. Encourage you to fast from it. And maybe it is food. And, and, and I know food, we, there's, it, it becomes complicated. There's, there's various issues with food. But maybe for some of us, that is the right thing to do. For us to abstain from food and to be humbled and to be broken and say, yes, now God, I know what it feels like. I need you. I'm desperate for you. God, reveal truths about me and what I need to do. And God will respond that unique way of praying through fasting, God will respond. And in addition to that, maybe some of us, there's things that are inside of us, inside of our hearts and our souls that we can't seem to let go. And God is saying, make space for me. And so maybe we need to fast from social media, our phones, politics, whatever it is. I don't know what that is in order for us to create space for God to be connected deeply and intimately with us. Will you pray? Will you think about that? And when you're ready, will you come? Will you partake in communion? Will you come out and go counterclockwise? The blue basket is gluten-free. Let me pray. God, thank you so much that you meet us in our brokenness, in our desperation. In fact, that is the very place you want us to be. That is the very vessel that you strengthen us in. So God, as we take communion, the bread and the juice that represents your life, death, and resurrection, may we be reminded it's through the cross that gives us strength, wisdom, and discernment hope and joy. Thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's continue in worship through communion and song.